2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
1: Yeah, how you feeling, bro? Man, I'm
2: feeling great. I'm doing
0: great. Happy Wednesday, boys and girls. One question, one question only. How do you feel? Well, I feel good, and I'm doing well. Hey, that's all that really matters, and we appreciate you being with us. Coming up in 20 minutes, we dig into the Ellie De La Cruz phenomenon. In Cincinnati, the Reds have startled the entire league by racing to a 12-game win streak that recently ended, but not before they pushed themselves into a playoff position. And in doing so, Ellie De La Cruz became the next must-see guy in Major League Baseball. He's 6'7", is he? 6'6", something like that. Plays shortstop, hits for power, runs like a gazelle, loves the big moment, hit for a cycle against the Braves, one of the best teams in baseball over the weekend, in front of a packed house in Cincinnati. What is going on? In Southern Ohio, this is one of the great sports stories in America right now. And it would be nice if the mainstream sports media paid attention to this because this has been a downtrodden fan base and a franchise that has given its city no hope for a long time that suddenly has a white-hot team, a filled-up ballpark, in one of the country's best baseball talents in America with one of the hottest prospects that we've seen in years. It would be nice if somebody paid attention to this. So John Sadak is going to join us. He's one of the voices of the Cincinnati Reds. He's going to drop on by in 20 minutes. Bill Belichick was recently asked, which coach throughout history what do you have most liked to learn from, work with, work under? And unsurprisingly, he told the 33rd team media outlet, Paul Brown. I was able to spend some time around Coach Brown, both at Cleveland when I was really young, and then at Cincinnati when I was a teenager, and we went to their summer camps. I would have loved to have done that under Paul Brown. And he said... I really learned a lot about Paul from Jim Brown. When I talked to Jim, we'd have conversations. Jim would refer to Paul Brown very frequently. This is the way Paul did it, or Paul did things a little differently, and here's how he did it. Here's why Paul did it. And it really gave me insight from a player's perspective into the way that Paul coached the team. Now, It's not surprising. I mean, there's only a handful of answers that you would go to there. If you're Bill Belichick, who would you have liked to coach under that you didn't get a chance to? He coached under Bill Parcells. He hates Don Shula. Landry, Lombardi, and Paul Brown. And that's probably maybe George Hallis. You know, there's a pretty short list there. So Paul Brown, innovative Paul Brown. Obviously, the archetype, of the Cleveland Browns and one of the great offensive innovators ever makes a lot of sense. So that's somewhat interesting, but not all that interesting. Wasn't that that surprising? What I find surprising is that Bill Belichick did a long form conversation with an outlet called the 33rd team. And this is not Patriots.com. This is not one of the league-owned, run-operated websites to where perhaps it was written into a coach's contract. You have to do X number of interviews like the television guys. When you hear Romo and Nance or whoever, Buck and Aikman, say, well, we sat down with Bill the other day, and he said, those are contractually obliged. If you sign a contract in the NFL... You have to be made available to these television interviews, the television broadcast teams, where they come into town a couple of days before. So they sit down with the starting quarterbacks, the coaches, one or two other players, and you can't say no to that. It's in your contract. So I am surprised that Bill is doing something for an outlet called the Thirty Thirteen. But I do think this is a window into Bill right Bill has been more open in the last couple of years. Bill has sat down for more interviews in the last couple of years. Bill was a large part of the NFL 100 stuff. When they picked the team, they had the panel discussion, they spoke about the history of the league, and I think it's twofold, okay? I think Bill really does appreciate and respect the NFL's history, the lore, the legacy, and where he fits into it. And so... If you ask him, hey, can you talk about the quarterback situation and your relationship with Mac Jones, no matter who asks him, he's going to say no. If you ask him, hey, can we talk about Paul Brown, he's going to say yes. I remember I was covering the Patriots when I was in Boston. I would always go to the Tuesday afternoon media avail from Bill Belichick. Brady always used to speak there as well. And – I knew, I learned quickly what was going to get Bill to answer a question and what wouldn't. And if you ask him an X's and O's, you get we're on the Cincinnati, a sniffle, a harumph, a shut up. When you ask him about something that he wants to talk about, you get a pretty enlightened answer. So I remember asking him about Dick LeBeau going into the Hall of Fame. Every other question I ever asked Bill, I got less than 20 seconds. When I asked about Dick LeBeau, Six minutes on Dick LeBeau. Bill likes this. This is what Bill likes to do. He's like me. He likes to talk about the history of stuff, especially football. But I also think that's one part of it. I also think Bill recognizes things are winding down for him. And because he has a respect and adoration for the history of the game, He wants to be remembered in a certain way. And the war with Tom Brady, that Tom clearly won, he left and still won a championship, and the cloak of standoffish, callous, cold, all of this stuff that Bill has portrayed for a long time to the media has turned a lot of fans off to him and media off to him. The cheating scandals, Spygate, Deflategate has, again, cloaked the Patriots in the dark arts, how much was legal, how much help did they need, being subversive, all this type of stuff. And, and Bill, out of all of the great coaches of the NFL's history, is the least liked. I don't want to say least appreciated, because I think all the winning It doesn't, you have to go, you don't have to go far to have people call him the greatest coach of all time. But it ain't, it ain't like Lombardi, where people have, you don't have to be a Packers fan. Lombardi and Lombardi quotes are in like every office in America. People love Lombardi. I think that thing that Lombardi, Hallis, Shula, Landry, even Parcells, who was not at that level. But Parcell's engenders a certain toughness and he did it that way. And admiration of leadership and things like this. I don't think Bill gets. Bill didn't get that because again, Bill's Bill's been awful with the media. I mean, really petty and pathetic with the media. He's been closeted. He's been closed off. He's been difficult. He's shown no personality, none. So you don't get any vibe of like, what's your relationship with a player? And then the best player that he's ever coached left the franchise because of him, because of Bill. I mean, imagine Bill Parcells drove Lawrence Taylor away. Imagine Vince Lombardi and Bart Starr hated one another at the end. So there is an element there that Bill understands he's coming to the end and he's not winning a lot of games. And there is a pressure, I think, from Robert Kraft of it's one thing to be difficult with the media and closed off to the fans and cold and standoffish when we win a lot. If we don't win a lot, and there's been a sea change in Boston because I still speak to a lot of my friends there and colleagues, the sea change is there's not the same undying excitement about the Patriots anymore. And why would there be? You know, they're a nine and eight team now. What used to be, we can ignore all of your flaws because you're going to the AFC Championship game every year. Now people are starting to say, nah, game is maybe past Bill by. What's he doing with Mac Jones? Why did he hire Joe Judge and Matt Patricia to run the offense? Well, what's going on here? Why why is the coaching poor? And I think Robert Kraft is like, if you are going to be the coach of this team and we're not going to be winning Super Bowls right now, you need to open up. You need to be warmer. You you need to be. And so Bill is, is caught in this really bizarre middle ground where, remember, he snapped and said, well, why would anybody believe in us? Well, have you looked at what we've done in the past? And yet that's total hypocrisy because Bill has for 20 years said, it doesn't matter what we've done. In the past, what what only matters is this year. He wants, and then he had to kind of apologize for that and walk those comments back and clarify them. He's caught in a weird spot where, as an old guy who's only got a couple of seasons left, he doesn't want to be forgotten because everybody hates him. And the end wasn't very good. He doesn't want that. And so he's doing long-form interviews with the 33rd team? He's going back and, and and walking back what he said about his resume. And, and he's even citing his resume. Like, basically, don't you appreciate me? Don't you know what I've done? And I, I have to imagine this happens if you get close to retirement or close to the end of your life, where you go, are people going to remember what I've done? I think if you get close to retirement and you go like, "Oh, I've been here since the '70s. I've seen this, that, and the other thing." You, 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 CEO, you, this person, that, what? They have no idea what I've seen. And you start feeling like underappreciated. And do you, do you know what I know? And I think as you get to the end of life, you hope that your grandchildren or your children or people around you understand what you've seen, what you know. And I feel like Bill is doing this right now. I mean, this interview that he did, he's, like, smiling through the whole thing. And you know how hard it is for Bill to smile? It is almost physically impossible. He he, ha- he essentially has to, like, pull his cheeks up like the Joker. He's trying to put on this face. And I think you will see this more over the next two seasons. I, I don't think he's getting fired after this year, even though I think Kraft's patience is running out. It might be, maybe, but I think he gets another year. I think there's this year and then next year. But it might only be two years. And if it's only two years left, and maybe there's no guarantee that he becomes the GM, because I don't think there should be. He can't draft very well. This is kind of it for Bill in the public eye, in the football eye. What's he going to do? He's going to be on a chuckle hut pregame show? Yucking it up with Bradshaw and Howie Long? No, he's not going to do that either. This is it for Bill in the public eye, and he has to, in I think in his mind, do a bit of a, a rebrand. Which is awkward, because it's like your grandpa wearing Crocs or something. What's a more I'd, contemporary fashion statement?
3: I was gonna say uh, Dan Marino slippers he gave us in Miami,
0: but those are for old guys. Well, are they? We wore them. Yeah, we, we dress like old guys. What's like a what's what's your daughter wearing that Belichick would somehow throw on? I mean Crocs. Kids love Crocs okay. now, so Crocs. Oh, so well, you right. got it. You know, that was a
4: fine comparison. Okay. <laughs> well, <you doubt laughs> Tight yourself. skinny well, jeans.
0: Oh, yeah, maybe skinny jeans. But even that's not even that hip anymore. Well, Crocs, pants. Crocs had that big. Push in, like, 07. So I thought maybe we came down. I think so, right? Crocs, like, had a thing maybe 15 years ago.
4: It'd be like Belichick wearing Janko jeans in the 90s.
0: (laughs) Right, but Janko is now a dated concept. Bird dogs? Bird dogs? They're very popular now. And What are bird dogs?
3: They're, you're going to hate this, they're nice-looking khaki-type shorts that are really, like, gym shorts with a stretch fit. Okay. Like, but they're very popular because comfort is in as you hate
4: Don't they have like jean pajamas now too
0: denim pajamas or or they feel like pajamas but they look like denim right yeah what would Boyle wear Boyle would be good at this
4: well, I to wear
0: a
5: romper the other day a male romper now tell me about this before we go to break <laughs> oh, yeah for please John sadak what's a what's a male romper so it's a it's a one piece you like step into it and then uh-huh pull it up over your shoulders. And I think the ones he was showing us that you would like button like a shirt, but it's a shirt and a short connected. So, but it's like a, it's, it looks really cute on girls, uh-huh. not on boils.
0: So, so it's almost like a onesie.
5: I mean, yeah, yeah it doesn't need to be as, as uh, tight-fitting as that, but it's a one-piece garment that you have to, like, completely take off to use the bathroom.
0: Yeah, like, as
3: DA would know, with AJ's diaper, I'm sure you do the button underneath the, you know, that area to do the diaper change. That kind of scenario. Yeah. Which you have to have a real trust. I could not do that. What do you mean? Well, I mean, with my bowel movements, I don't think I need to be fidgeting like that or taking the whole thing off. to
0: pull off, to put on, to go to the bathroom. You gotta
3: be sure you're done for the day when you put that on. (laughs) (laughs) Did Boyle buy this and wear this?
5: He hasn't—I don't know if he owns one yet, and I don't remember how we got to it, but he said, oh, he brought up male rompers, and then we, I didn't think it was a real thing. And then—
0: Well, wait till we tell Carlos about this.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, <and tomorrow laughs> I can't do it. I got
4: 47 pairs of Jordans. I'm not wearing a romper. Well, what about what about Mirage over there? At, uh, the That's a good point. shouldn't be named. I'll
3: be wearing a romper by October. We might need it in the
0: full <laughs> <book>. <laughs> <laughs>
4: You can wear a romper. Hey, hey, look at me.
0: When we come back, let's talk Reds, their surge, and the prospect and phenom, Ellie De La Cruz, with their voice, John Sadak next, DA, CBS Sports Radio.
2: so start looking in the right place with linkedin you can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today
1: (sighs) spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact choose from premium blinds shades and shutters we even have options for your patio too Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
6: Where death by salsa is the least of your concerns. The DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. All
0: right. You can listen to us and hundreds of affiliates nationwide across the ever-expanding CBS Sports Radio Network and also on Sirius XM, Channel 158. How about those surging Cincinnati Reds, at one point winning 12 in a row, in front of sellout crowds at Great American Ballpark, with the phenom of the league, Ellie De La Cruz, destroying baseballs, hitting for cycles, the fastest first to third so far clocked in Major League Baseball. His exit velocity is outrageous. This team's got some juice. Joining us is the television play-by-play voice of the Cincinnati Reds, John Sadak. John, good morning. Good morning, D.A. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Hey, tell us what it's like. For the crowd to be full, the ballpark to be full, I know when I I saw that news come across Twitter, was it Friday night against the Braves? I think it was Friday night. It seemed like everybody was like, wow, even in Cincinnati, wow, it's a sellout. That must be a thrill.
7: It it was exceptionally enthusiastic. Uh, Sellouts, back-to-back days that Friday, Saturday, the biggest draw for a three-game series in the ballpark's 20-year history. Uh, there is a dynamite electricity to this entire team, and certainly, Ellie, uh, deservedly, his skill set is just different. He's a unicorn on so many levels, and that Friday night, going for the first cycle the Reds had had since 89 and halting the, the longest drought that baseball had seen, uh, that was certainly significant but there are so many really good young players that have arrived in the big leagues and have hit the ground running in just spectacular fashion.
0: It's amazing the attitude of the fan base from where we were one year ago to where we are now with those sellouts, obviously. And how surprising is this for the fan base and for the city? Is that part of why there's such an electricity? People didn't expect it this soon?
7: Uh, That's probably fair. I I think if you... If you paid detailed attention to what was happening in the minors, uh, I think within the infancy of this year, there there were certain fans that kind of realized it, it is possible if they all get promoted and if they they play well. Matt McClain was killing it at AAA. He was leading all of minor league baseball in OPS. Ellie De La Cruz was a human highlight reel every single night at AAA, and the videos at that level are now far more readily accessible due to social media, and it's more quantifiable. You can see their sprint speed. You can see their exit below. You can see how far they hit the ball. And then the numbers, I think, have a, a little bit more heft, uh, certainly in terms of the pure physical talent that these young men possess. But, yeah, I, I would say that's probably fair. I mean, the Reds lost 100 games last year. This is the oldest team in professional American sport. They had only done that once before. They had suffered other seasons that were at that rate before they played 162 games. Uh, But that's a pretty distinct outlier. And, yeah, they saw the team that many of the the fans in the city loved in 21 deconstructed in the wake of that 21 season. Uh, They were a good team that year. If it were the expanded playoffs of today, the 21 Reds would have made the playoffs, but they didn't. They had a thin bullpen that underperformed and two of their better bats, highlighted by Jesse Winker, who was an all-star, suffered injury. And the lineup wasn't quite the same down the stretch. Uh, but yes, I would say that for most fans, they had no concept of just how good these young players were and that they could be that good that quickly in the big leagues. And that's a fair doubt.
0: John Sadak joins us, the voice of the Reds on TV, as the Reds have been surging over the last couple of months of themselves in playoff position. Ellie De La Cruz, as you said, a unicorn. Who in the organization is responsible for identifying this young man when they did and saying, we got to get him?
7: Uh, you know, when they got him, he wasn't a got to get kind of guy. He signed for $65,000. Uh, you look at pictures of him when he first arrived at the, the Dominican Academy and speak to people who were there in that infancy of his time professionally with the Reds. And, you know, he he didn't stand out that significantly. It's something that he kind of blossomed into while he was under contract with the Reds. I know his talent is God-given. He works incredibly hard. He has a very high baseball IQ. Uh, But COVID somewhat shrouded him under the radar because there was no minor league season in 2020. So he did not come stateside until 2021. And he was in the rookie complex league. That is the lowest level of professional baseball that exists in the United States. And he dominated. He was so thoroughly better than everyone else because he had physically matured into something far more like what he is today than what he was when he signed. And the skills matched that physical development. Scouts were constantly saying, this guy's got to be one of the best prospects in baseball. But it was hard to truly understand because He's, his peers are teenagers that are just learning that really should be high school level players. And he was kicking butt and his rocket rise to go from that is incredibly hard to go from the complex league in 21 to now being a national darling that, you know, some are saying perhaps should be in the home run derby or in the all star game based on three weeks of just pure physical raw talent is just spectacular.
0: This Ellie Dela Cruz story, to me, is one of the great sports stories of recent memory. Because we've had prospects come up and splash early, but he's done it in the greatest moments. It's it's incredible because he was called up that series against the Dodgers, correct? And mm-hmm. right right out of the gate, people showing up, oh, let's see the prospect. He hits a home run nearly out of the stadium. He then is it a triple that is clocked as the fastest triple in baseball this year. And then, when it's a full ballpark for the first time in 20 years, he has a cycle against the best team of the National League. I mean, it's like he lives for the moment and to live in the moment. And that part is beyond the tools, right? That That's the uniqueness of a guy that can be a superstar very early.
7: I, I would agree. I think there is uh... – There is a cool charisma and confidence about him. He knows he's good. He's not a a high ego guy. He's not trying to flaunt it. He's not trying to, you know, say, look at me. He wants to be part of the team and he wants to win. But I do think to be that next level player over a long span of time, and, you know, he has to prove this. He's still a few weeks in. uh, You need to have that, that mental fortitude. There has to be that that streak in you that says, oh, yeah, well, look at this, uh, and, and be able to meet those moments consistently. And he decidedly has that. You know, one of the other you know, kind of ridiculous elements of his game, you, know, you talk about the home run that he hit, uh, that was just a missile that, that nearly went directly into the Ohio without even skipping on the street. That's not even a top five homer that he's hit this year. Now, the others weren't in the big leagues, But if you search his videos, what he did at AAA, and I called games at AAA for five years, know how big some of those ballparks are and how hard it is to hit the ball that deep. This guy has been doing it throughout the entire season. And yes, I I heartily agree that that mental line and that confidence and that that kind of uh, Q rating that he possesses. I mean, there's just, there's something about him that is magnetic. I saw this quote
0: graphic, and this is where he's going to be in Bo Jackson territory, where I don't know what's real and what's not. There's almost lore already. Did he call himself the fastest man in the world?
7: He did. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and I, I think he's, he's doing it, like, somewhat jokingly. But, but he really does know how fast he is. You know, DA, the crazy thing is, so I, I call the home games of Barry Larkin. A Hall of Famer, Cincinnati's native son, Uh, beloved by the fan base there. He's been around the game a long, long time. He's played with and against some fellow great players. And we're talking off mic during the series against the Rockies. And at one point, he looks to me, Ellie forced a Rockies pitcher into three throwing errors, trying to check on him on the bases during the course of an inning. He tried to steal home at one point last homestand. And these are things that he did multiple times when he was in the minor leagues. And he said he is making major league teams look like high school teams because he is so fast and is so aggressive and has such feel for when to push the envelope. They're making mental mistakes because he's a step in front of them, both with his head and his body.
0: It's amazing. The Reds right now are a half game up in the division on the Brewers at 42 and 38. They built it on a 12-game win streak, and they got Ellie De La Cruz, the most exciting person in baseball at the moment, Right in the middle of things. John Sadak is the voice of the Reds on television. Keep an eye on the Reds. It's a great summer story. John, thanks so much for the time this morning. Enjoy calling these games, man. It looks like a thrill.
7: Uh, it's uh, it's pinch-me moments every night. It's the NCAA tournament just about every day. Thank you, man.
0: That's the best. Thanks so much. Bogues, I, I, it's hard for me to get... Pulled in, yanked in to a midsummer rookie or a midsummer team that goes in a surge because this happens all the time. But there's something about the Reds thing that is totally—it's—it's it's totally taken me because of the De La Cruz thing. He's just such a can't miss guy, can't miss at bat every time. But that also, it's a great baseball town that has not had anything good to root for in a long time. And last year, there were some Oakland A's moments where. The Castellini family was crushed by the locals and they looked like they were just, they didn't care about the team or the fan base. And They said, you're lucky to have us. And then this renaissance of this, this love affair that the the city has with the Reds has come full circle this year. And I just, I'm smitten by it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a franchise that kind of deserves, not
5: deserves, but it's good when they're successful. There's a history to the Reds for our lifetime. Oldest and then they, franchise, John just right. said, and, I mean, I, in I, any sport in North America. And they used to have, opening day was always first there. 1st first the yes. season was always in Cincinnati. I don't remember the last time they did that. That's a fairly recent change. But yep. it, it's a historical franchise. It matters when they're good and they have not been good for a lot of years. Now they're good. They're gonna maybe be great, not just yet. And they put themselves, with the benefit of being in the NL Central, right in the middle of a playoff race. Now they have to answer some significant questions about what they might do with the deadline and whatnot. But at the very least, they're good TV because this guy in particular is just special. I mean, he's this pure, ridiculous athlete playing baseball in ways
0: that we don't always see. It doesn't make any sense. Mraz, when you see a six-seven guy play shortstop and hit 500-foot bombs, but is also perhaps the fastest man to play professional sports, it's just what? It's, again, this
3: freak revolution we're in. Whether it's Jokic in basketball or De La Cruz and... In- I guess O'Neill Cruz the other day, yeah. although we haven't seen him really this year. But like, is this going to be the new trend? If your kid is six five, you put them at shortstop in little league, and you make sure that they're becoming like just this athletic freak stuff continues to amaze
0: me. And Aaron Judge too. Aaron Judge is six seven. Yeah. O'Neill yeah. Cruz is six seven, and De La Cruz I think is six six well, or something. I at mean, least, no, go ahead. Well, I
5: was uh-huh. to say when he stands in the box, all three of those guys they look. Like inhumanly big. Yeah. They look like they don't fit, like they're in a different from a different planet. Yes. Judge and, and De La Cruz and,
3: and yes. Cruz. Yes. But isn't this at its core why baseball is still beautiful in America? That somebody like De La Cruz could be that electric at that size, that freakish ability, and Bartolo Colon could pitch to him. <laughs> like it's it's amazing. it really is amazing. Like it is a game for all shapes and sizes. It really is. David Eckstein could be five foot nothing and slap balls, and here comes De La Cruz at 6'5, and then Bartolo Colonca weigh 400
0: pounds. It's amazing. It is amazing. That's a good point. And it is also very romantic in the fact that you could have this young guy kind of under wraps, like John was just saying, and nobody kind of knows. And then suddenly he comes up to the bigs, and the whole nation notices. And now you have a summer of warm nights, of You know, you hear the the crickets and you, you go out to the ballpark and there's fireworks and you get hot dogs and beer. And, like, that summer just becomes the summer that you fall in love with your team again. You go out to the ballpark. You have all those moments. You watch the guy on TV. You can't miss it. Like, that's why baseball is an every night summer thing is so much more special than Say a guy splashes in the middle of your NBA season, and it's mid-January, and you're like, "Oh, that's a good guy." Yeah, like
3: there's there are literally high school kids in Cincinnati that 20 years from now will go back and say, remember the summer of '23. How great was that? Like last that, year, that was, baseball does
0: that. Yep, last year was the summer of Zanaboni. This is the year of Ellie De La Cruz.
4: <laughs> it is. <laughs> I, I'll say I'll say this uh, with players like that. The longevity is the thing that I, I wonder what will happen with his longevity, how long he will be able to sustain. Easy, Debbie like, Downer. Jesus, first year we're worried about his longevity. Where's your tuba? Because a guy like Bo Jackson and even Yasiel Puig, who came on very strong the same way. So I, I think a guy like uh, he's built where he could sustain, I think. But you get into the first set of – get into an injury, how long does it last? That That's just my, my thing. I hope it lasts a long time. We've seen – uh, you know, cunha and guys like that to s- sustain it. So, I hope he could last uh, a long career.
0: Yeah. Now, Bo was trying to do two things at the same time. So, he was really distracting himself in the middle of both seasons.
3: Distracting me, too. <laughs>
0: I can't tell if that's a reference to your own body part or because you found him so handsome and attractive that he distracted you. The latter. Yeah, either way. Well, either answer fits. Okay. <laughs> in for headline this morning is Peter Schwartz. All
6: right, DA, will start in Anaheim and a big night on the mound and at the plate for Shohei Otani. And
7: Otani left his pitching assignment because of a cracked finger now. Here's a pitch that he hits
6: well out in the left center field. It's carrying deep out there. This one is out of here. Cracked fingernail or not. Otani, the hitter, has hit his second home run tonight. That was Terry Smith on Angels Radio. Angels beat the White Sox 4-2. to Shohei Otani two home runs on the mound. Gave up a run and four hits while striking out ten over six in the third innings. And as you heard, left the game as a pitcher. That was because of a cracked nail on his right middle finger. And if you find humor in that, you're not alone. Angels manager Phil Nevin had an update after the game. Yeah, his
4: middle finger and apparently I was.
6: Yeah. <laughs> the middle finger, yeah so I, you know, yeah, it's a crack in the middle finger. I'll hold them all up for you uh, uh, on his nail. So uh it's just something we will monitor. Otani became the sixth. Some might call
3: Ohtani tough as nails.
2: Boom. It's not funny. Thank you. <laughs>
6: Thank <you. laughs> <laughs> Oh, became the sixth player in history since 19- 1893 with 10 strikeouts on the mound and two home runs in a game with the plate since the mound moved to its current distance. That was in 1893. Now to the state that has a building that King Kong climbed up and a power surge from that city's National League Baseball team. Mm. The 1-1, that's big, a long fly ball, deep to left center, it might go, it's gone, Vogelbach goes to the
0: opposite field, a two-run homer for Daniel Vogelback. That
6: was the announcer whose last name is a flower and he was on one of Odyssey's Local news stations calling that game. Oh, come on. One of four home runs by that team and a 7-2 win over the Brewers.
0: Unfortunately, this bit has gone the other way and the snake is eating itself. Because I wanted the embargo so that we didn't reference these teams and we could just move quicker, through it quicker. And instead, the way that Pete's doing it,
6: it's elongating it's all percent. of the conversation. It's creative, though. It is creative. I got to get creative points for it, yeah, right? Yeah, you do get creative points. Brandon Nemo with two home runs. But it's belaboring <laughs> the game. <that laughs> they out our own scoring. I'm just trying I mean, to entertain. To be I'm, fair, the rules are very tough to figure well, out. If it's you letter.
4: didn't leave, if you didn't leave, you wouldn't have these rules. So it's <laughs> your fault. All right, pal.
3: Bump, bump. I'm bum, also bum, wondering: bum, bum,
5: were there only Mets and Yankees games last night? <laughs> Can we just Hi. leave one out?
3: <laughs> I love you, Schwartz. Leave,
5: leave Nimo out for a second. Katie
3: oh, Katy
0: Perry on America's Got Talent. Bogues here shouting out as the former update. Wow. Guy. Well, I mean, when when each of these New York teams scores, you takes mentioned New York, most of the updates. <laughs> Time to just leave them.
6: Out. <laughs> the state above Pennsylvania. Yeah. Diamondbacks beat the Rays last night, eight to four. In 11 innings, Nationals top the Mariners seven four. Yeah, the Dodgers over the Rockies five to nothing. The Cardinals beat the Astros four to two. I mean, give me a Luis Rise update or something.
3: <laughs> Cardinals beat the Astros. How'd that sound? <laughs> to be fair, did our tape ops cut anything besides the team?
6: To be fair, there was not a lot of stuff to choose from.
3: It really Jack, wasn't. I think it was on tape. He was asking everybody how much they made, and then he forgot to cut the <laughs> Astros sound. <laughs> then he
6: went home and he left after 45 minutes. <laughs> I mean, the other night, he's just sitting around not doing anything. I'm like, can you, can you put some cuts in the system? Corbin Carroll,
5: possible NL MVP at a home run last night. not heard stop it.
6: Stop talking to EJ in the in the, in the <laughs> He's making some wings. <laughs> hey, EJ was going to kill him the other night, too. All right, what else All right, we got? um... The same stuff from last hour. I mean, really nothing has changed. To be honest with you, I mean, we're having our point. <laughs> can we get to Steve Cohen's press conference no, later? No, so no, 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 no.
4: Well, this next month is going to be great. Yeah.
6: <laughs> Warriors guard Dante DiVincenzo will reportedly <laughs> decline <laughs> his $7.4 million player <laughs> option and become a free agent. The NHL draft is tonight. Yes, that's that's right. Here we go. Uh, There was some hockey news yesterday. Maple Uh Leafs announcing head coach Sheldon Keefe is going to return next year. The Devils acquire Tyler Toffoli from the Flames. The Kings acquire Pierre-Luc Dubois from the Jets, and they sign him to an eight-year extension with an average annual value of $8.5 million. Tonight in the draft, the Blackhawks expected to make Connor Bedard the number one overall pick. Take a sip of that. Quick hockey take from you guys. (sighs)
0: Blackhawks also acquire Taylor Hall. Yeah. Former league MVP. Correct. Was going to be kind of a prodigy superstar, never quite, I guess, developed into that. But now they they pair him with Bedard. Good move by the Blackhawks. Yeah, it's
3: definitely a good move. They didn't give up a ton, a ton. And Hall may never have lived up to that prodigy stuff. He's kind of become an odd journeyman at this point, mm-hmm. but he's still a very productive, good player. So, yes, I think it's a good move for the Blackhawks. This
5: is also like the seventh time he's going to play with the current number one <laughs> right. pick. Yeah. Right. Because for now, first of all, it was like three or four Oilers in a row because yes. he was there and he was one himself. But it's been like now like a third or fourth. Different, he did it with Jack Hughes of the Devils. Now Bedard here, three or four Oilers guys, and there was one other team that he was on. He's like Tyrod Taylor, always playing with the number one <laughs> overall yeah, pick.
2: exactly.
6: <laughs> Hopefully I, his lungs are safe. And I think he's going to play Tudor here a little bit, too, yeah. kind of like yeah. you know Eli and Kurt Warner. I th- and I think eventually, because the Blackhawks are still not going to be good this year, they probably flip him at the trade deadline and get something for him. Oh. Yeah. But for now, he'll just be down the hall.
2: It's not funny. (laughs) I don't know why you built that. Don't
0: bring this down the hall. Into your brand.
1: I don't know what, like
0: that's now your brand, like really bad puns and dad jokes. Yeah, look. You know, you had to. You have to evolve, and you have to change. Is that right? This is
3: Maybe the, I want to be bad pun guy and not yeah. poop guy. You ever I can, think
5: of that. I can only soil myself so many times, D. I And to be
3: honest. Point. I helped create a job. Morty has a job thanks That's to the puns. Not a bad he's, point.
4: They signed him for what he did and, and what he's not going to do. <laughs>
0: as creating jobs for America, 2024.
6: One. <laughs> How long before Tiki wants to wring his neck?
4: You're getting Robbie Alomar in the White Sox years.
0: <laughs> I'm also a spitter. <laughs> All right, when we come right. back here on the DA show, we've got advanced uh, analytics and your epic fail. DA, CBS Sports Radio.
3: Analytics is just a term that's kind of thrown around a
6: lot.
2: It's time now for the Mothership's
0: Advanced Analytics. All right, so what dessert trend do you prefer, big cookies or frozen yogurt? 71% of you say big cookies. Now, data tells us that June is National Frozen Yogurt Month in the U.S., Pro-Yo contains bacteria that's good for you. This bacteria can lower your cholesterol and boost your immune system. Americans consume over 200 billion cookies per year. The actual cookies used for the cookie monster on Sesame Street are painted rice cakes. The first Crumble cookie opened in Logan, Utah in 2017. Now Crumble sells flavors like mango frozen yogurt and Kentucky butter cake. And it is a national brand. Heard from a lot of the aliens today that they've got Crumble Cookie places in their hometown. So, this is all across the country. Mraz's favorite cookie is the standard Oreo. You'll be happy to know that for the birthday this year, the Bourbon Bell purchased me an Oreo ice cream cake. Humana, oh, humana, humana. Delicious. White vanilla ice cream, crumbles of Oreo in the cake, and then the bottom is all Oreo, Oreo cookie. Oh, God. It's delicious. Oh, God. <laughs> what did we do for the fail today here?
3: Are we sure down the hole wants all my gimmicks? Okay,
6: here's the fail. Even the DA show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic fail.
0: I think what the Yankees need of the deadlines is another arm. And have I told you about the summer of 92? <laughs> 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 the incident in question. And there's Tiki, his jaw agape. What are we doing here? (laughs) Huh? Huh? And Donna, (laughs) this kills down the hall. When we come
3: back, more of your trashes and we'll do something else. It's the DA show on CBS Sports Radio. (laughs) Is this
0: on? You should have heard Pete when I said the storms are brewing. (laughs) This was huge in Alabama. And I said, and they saw their impending doom. And Pete had to turn off his microphone. This kills down
4: the hallway. (laughs)
0: Is Table Rock a strip club? Why are we thinking of bright? No, no, no! Keep stretching. No, I got more stuff. <laughs> Did I tell you about the Grammys? <laughs> <laughs> the Grammys, ninety-four Grammys. I got a whole list here. Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> Salt water, fresh water, lakes. Come on, I'm dying up here. <laughs> Let me eat something. Right. I'll
3: eat whatever you got. What do you got? Hi, hey, hello. I'm in the room. We're hanging out. I'm in your basement. Ba, ba, ba. Bones? No bones. I'm gonna put
0: two chicken nuggets in a headband. Watch this. Quick, somebody make me laugh. There's something down here. I'll cough it up. Is it friction up and then
5: down?
2: What do I do? Oh,
0: hey, what what am I forgot. How's this go? I forgot. Is the friction down? The laugh goes up.
3: <laughs> Kirk Cousins is the ultimate egg layer. He might as well be nicknamed the
4: rooster. 24 or 48 in the crate case. Check my underwear quickly. Give me a math problem. You know
0: the answer. Come on. It's be been a spell ruler. Come on. Uh, have I told you I never took the SATs?
7: Huh? Uh, 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 uh,
0: uh, uh, uh. I'm telling you, this kills.
6: Epic fail, you loser.
2: That is why you fail. Epic
0: fail. back, Kid tweets. I'm sorry, guys. The only choice to take Mraz's job is Pat Boyle. I stand firm on this every day. Hashtag people want Boyle. Well, interviews will start after the 4th of July. We'll collect some names and start doing interviews. But also, if you're interested in this job, this is a public posting. And so you can reach out to the DA show. And we might set up an interview for On Air, and we will see what you got during the show. What do you think? Yeti Confetti says that Jack asking other employees about their pay is federally protected. Okay, Yeti Confetti, but then you have the conversation with him. Nobody around here wants to have that. <laughs> Thanks to Sean Mraz, Pete the Body Bilotti, Andrew Bogish, Peter Schwartz, and Andrew Kaplan. I'm DA. We'll see you tomorrow. The Mothership Disconnects.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?